Okay, we're going to start from the Gemara Daf Pei Amid Beis. The Gemara says the following kasha. We had in yesterday's Daf that if a woman is waiting to do Yibum and then she dies, so the question is, guys, if we could just do everything outside that needs talking. Uh, if, if whoever the, 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 the Mishnah said that if a woman waiting to do Yibum dies, the question is, who is Yerush? Meaning, is she considered someone that's married or she's single? So it was a machlekes beishamah beisilah. Beishamah says you split it. Beisilah said nichse melug belongs to the father, the ksuba belongs to the yavam. So you split it. So the question is like this: because the obligations of the ksuba are being split, who's obligated to bury her? Just, just guys, just just take it outside. Just stand outside. I just, I, if I don't know it, I have to also be able to hear. <laughs> so the gemara is like this: If a woman waiting to do yibam dies, me kaivra. Who is responsible to bury her? Meaning, normally, the husband is responsible to bury her in compensation for not having to pay the 200 zuz. Over here, because the Yavam, while the Yavam is holding on to 200 zuz, he is not getting the full nechseh So the question is, because he's not getting the full ksuba experience, who is obligated to pay to pay for the burial? Do we say that it comes from her family's estate because they are getting the nechseh Or do you say that the Yavam pays for the funeral because... because um, Okay. The, the Yavim pays for the funeral because he's getting the 200 Zuz. So that's the question. So the Gemara says, now what's interesting about this is it's like he's getting the 200 Zuz like normally when a husband a husband marries a woman, he normally has to pay 200 Zuz, right? But if she dies, he doesn't have to pay the 200 Zuz, but he pays for the burial. So he like got something. Like he got the money from her. But over here, Gavin, is it is it... Okay, so the Gemara's kasha is Ibolu Shemeris Yavim Shemesa Mi Koivra Yerushe Abal Kavri Lo Dekayarti Ksuba. Do the relatives of the of the husband meaning does the Yavim have to bury her because guys, if you could just keep it down, please, guys, just if we could just keep it down. Yarti Ksuba Idilma Yerushe Av Kavri Lo Dekayarti Nechas and Nechas and Yoytzim Ima. Does the father have to bury her and not the Yavim because the father keeps the Nechsem Elug? So that's the Gemara's kasha. So Amrav Amram Tashima. The Tanya, the Brisa teaches Shemeris Yavim Shemesa. The Brisa says that if a Shemeris Yavim, if a woman waiting Yibam dies, Yosheh Yosheh Suvasa Chayavim Bekurasa, the Yavim has to bury her because the Yavim does not have to pay the two hundred zuz. He has to bury her. Now, as I mentioned before, I was interrupted. It's it's interesting because normally a husband has to pay two hundred zuz, but when she dies, he doesn't have to pay. Over here, the Yavim is like, I never had to pay at all. I just didn't have to take money from the estate and give it to her, but still, he doesn't have to, he has to bury her. Um, Rabaya says, I have a brace that backs this up, because the brace says, a widow is supported from the estate, and their and meaning a widow lives off the estate, and as a compensation for living off the estate, her earnings go to the orphans, but they don't have to bury her, now that's a regular widow. But Yarsheha Yarshek Suvasa, the people who are Yarishher Chayav Mikvurasa. Now Yarsheha is plural, meaning there's a new case where it's a woman who has multiple inheritors. There's a woman who has two people being Yarishher and the Chayav Mikvura. So, meaning the price is now telling a new halacha, and that is that there's a woman who has multiple people inheriting her. 
and their ob- and and the husband has to pay the for the kvura. What's the case? What's the only woman who has multiple people inheriting her? The only woman is a woman waiting to do yivam. You see, when a woman dies, her husband inherited. If she's married, if she's single, her dad inherits it. What's the one woman that has it split? It's a woman waiting to do yivam. So half of it goes to the yavam, half of it goes to the father. And the b'risa says, a woman who has multiple inheritors, the husband, meaning the yavam, has to has to bury her. So you see that the yavam is chayvim kavura. The oimer, shemer is yavam. Okay. So now the Gemara is saying like this. So the yavam, who doesn't have to pay the 200 suas, he has to bury her. So says the Gemara, Omar Rava, Velema Achan Yarish, Ishtay Enani Kaiver. So Abaya says, like, Rava says, like this, why can't the Yavam say, I'm inheriting my brother? Why do I, Achan Yarish, well, I'm inheriting the brother. Why do I have to pay the, normally, it's instead of having to pay the 200 Zuz, you have to, why can't he say, listen, I, I don't, she's not my wife yet. I'm inheriting my brother. So why do I have to pay her burial? What, 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 meaning, what, what it, it's like she's not my wife yet. So why do I have to? I'm just inheriting my brother's estate. Why is it that I have to pay her her, her burial? So the Gemara says, Why can't he just say, "Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna inherit my brother's the, the, the guys"? I, I, I just, I'm, I'm pretty edgy right now. I just need, I need absolute silence. Gavin, stop it. There is a Zika, but the Gemara wants to know is why can't I just say, listen, I'm not inheriting her her responsibilities. Why can't I just inherit? Meaning he basically he wants his cake and he needs to. I want to inherit my brother and I want to not bury the bury her. Why why can't I do that? So the Gemara instantly responds, why you can't, which is the face that you're giving. So the Gemara says, the Lema. Uh, says, I'll tell you why you can't say that because we get him on two sides if you're actually standing in the place of your brother then then you think meaning he wants to just say listen why why do I have to deal with her burial why can't I just inherit my brother I don't want to deal with her burials the answer is like this if you're standing in the place of your brother and that's why you're getting the inheritance then you have his responsibilities which is to bury her. If you choose not to bury her, cancel that. And if you're choosing not to bury her, then you have to pay the ksuba. Meaning the burial is in place of the ksuba. If you're not going to bury her, then pay the ksuba. You're right. You can just cut her off and say, listen, I'm just going to inherit my brother's thing, but then pay the ksuba. You don't want to pay the ksuba, you don't get his inheritance. It's it's a it's a two-way street. Okay, so if you want to not bury her, then pay the 200 zuz. So the Gemara says, I'll tell you why that doesn't work. The the Gemara says like this, no. You think this is what I meant to say. Why can't he say like this? I want to inherit my brother. I don't want to bury his wife. And if you'll say, well, okay, well, if you don't want to bury her, then you have to pay the ksuba. Um, since when do you have to pay the ksuba when she dies? Right? What's the one time that you have to pay the ksuba? You have to pay the ksuba when the husband dies or the husband divorces her. In this case, he's saying, I'm standing instead of my brother. So it's as if the, bro- the husband was always alive. She just died. So why do I have to pay her ksuba? Meaning, I'm standing instead of my brother. So the husband is still alive, so to speak. So I'm standing over, I'm taking over the brother. So the husband is still alive. 
I don't have to bury her. You're going to say, well, if you don't bury her, then you have to pay the ksuba. Why should I pay the ksuba? She died. The only time the wife gets the ksuba is if the husband divorces her or predeceases her. The husband didn't because I'm standing in my brother's stead. So the husband's still alive. I didn't divorce her. Why should I have to pay? Because again, the Gemara is assuming that the chiv of the wife hasn't kicked in yet because the husband is taking over for the brother. The oven's taking over for the brother. So the husband's still alive. So why should I have to, why should I pay the ksuba? There's no, there's no, I, 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 I don't want to bury her. He said, well, if you don't want to bury her, then you have to pay the ksuba. No, it's a technicality. You have to pay the ksuba. She's still, she, she died before the husband. You don't pay the ksuba when she dies before the husband. Yeah, but still, how's it going If you're saying he's standing in for the brother fully. That means the brother's still alive. And then the brother would have a chiv to bury her. Yeah, no, but he's saying, but you only have to know because he's saying that you only have a chiv kfura when there's a chiv ksuva. There's due to a technicality. There's no ksuva. Oh, so he's just saying due to a technicality. I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to bury. I only have to bury her in compensation for the ksuva. I don't have to give her the ksuva because she died before the husband. So what do I have to bury her for? It's a weird. It's a weird. Yeah. So the Gemara says. So the Gemara says, wait, wait a minute. So you're the, Rashi explains that this assumption that the Chiyav of Kvura is very much intimately connected to the obligation for the Ksuva, that follows Beishamai's view that he, they're doirish, the, the Lushan of the Ksuva. Meaning Beishamai Shita in general is that they look at each word of the Ksuva and they're doirish it to exactly to fit. If stipulation A is met, then B is kicked in. If not, not. That's Beishamai Shita. So this concept is following Beishamai's view. So the Gemara says, Man sham it lay dis lay midrash ksuba Beishamai. The problem is, Shamim le Beishamai damishtar ho'i v'legavai z'kigavai don. Beishamai's shita is that the 200, here's a thing, the whole presumption of the Gemara is that the chiv ksuba is of the brothers, meaning it's money that he owes her potentially, but he doesn't have to pay her yet. And because she died before him, because the brother, the Yavim is in his place, no chiv. The problem is, is which means that if you owe someone money, it's as if it's already collected. Which means the 200 zuz, it's as if it's already been collected by the woman. Once you understand that, that it's as if the money's already been collected by the woman, and the husband, when the husband owes the, when the original husband owed the woman money, it's as if she has it already. Then, then the halacha would be you'd have to pay. Meaning the entire presumption of the Gemara is under the assumption that there is no chiv ksuva yet. It's like a debt. And it's a debt he doesn't have to pay. Therefore, he doesn't have to bury her. But if you actually say that it's her money, then it's as if she already has the money, then he should have to give it to her or bury her. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, yeah, I'll, the way Artscroll explains it, they, I, I think they explained it very well. Um, one second. Um, yeah, since the woman possesses a ksuba document, the property due her from the ksuba is considered already in her possession at the time her husband dies. When she dies, as if the yavim inherits the property from her. Meaning, if the yavim is inheriting his brother, then this cheshben can work. But if you actually think that it's her money that he's inheriting, so how could he withhold it from her? Right, he's saying I don't have to pay her the ksuba because she died before me. But if it's her money already, meaning once you hold that a woman, it's which means that when she was alive, it's as if it was her money. Which means that the money that he's getting is actually from her. So he got money from her. He should have to give her a kfura. Meaning the assumption, the svara that he doesn't have to bury her. It's like I don't owe her anything. I'm just inheriting my brother. I don't owe her anything. 
But if you actually hold, like Beishamai, that the kala, the ksuba, it's as if it's already hers, which means that when she died, it's as if she gave the money to him, so he got something from her. If he got something from her, he should have to bury her. The whole presumption of not having to bury her is based on the assumption that shtar avis kigavik lav kigavik dami, because the, the brother can legitimately say, listen, why do I have to bury her? What did I gain from her? I got money from my brother. You're going to say, well, you have to bury her. No, I only have to bury her if I got something from her. I didn't get anything from her. But if you actually hold the shtara of his dummy, which means that it's as if it's her money, when she's owed money, it's as if it's already hers, then he got 200 zis from her. So if he got 200 zis from her, wouldn't it make sense that he should have to bury her? That's the point. Like The whole svara of not burying her is based on the presumptions, like, what do I owe her? I don't owe her anything. I don't have any connection to her. But if you actually hold that it's as if she has the money, when she's owed the money in her life, in her husband's first husband's lifetime, then you got the 200 zis from her. If you got it from her, you should have to bury her. That 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 makes sense. How do I know that Beshamashita is that Shtara Avis Dami, that a document that's weighted to be paid is as if it's already paid? Um the Tnan, the Mishnah says, Mesu uh, If you have a woman who's waiting to be a sota, she's waiting to drink and then her husband dies. So what, what does she do? Does she get the ksuba? Right? Obviously, she's she's single now because her husband died. She can't drink anymore because the Xeris HaKasav says you can only drink when your husband brings you to court. So does she get the ksuba? So the, it's says you take the ksuba and you don't drink. You take the ksuba. Basil says, no, you either drink or you take the ksuba. Now the Gemara just clarifies. It sounds like you either drink or you take ksuba. That drinking is an option. The Gemara says, well, wait a minute. The husband has to bring it. You can't drink. It means that because you can't drink, you don't take the ksuba. So Beshama says, you get the ksuba. Basil says, you don't. What's the svara? Here's the Shaila. Basil makes a lot of sense. Why is it that you don't have to pay the ksuba? If she committed adultery, then she definitely doesn't get the ksuba. If she's innocent, she should. Normally, you drink to clarify. The problem is she can't drink because her husband died. So Basil says it's a suffix. Whenever there's a suffix when it comes to money, you can't take it from the estate. Beshamay says you take it. Why? Because Beshamay holds that when a woman is owed money from the ksuba, it's as if it's hers already. So you see that Beshamay Shita is that when money is owed to the ksuba, it's as if it's hers. If it's already hers, then when the husband died and then she dies, the Yavam is getting money from her. If he's getting money from her, he should have to bury her. That's, that's, the, that's the Gemara's presumption. So that's why the Gemara says, according to Beishamai, he should talk bury her. Okay. I, the Gemara has one last kasha. So you're telling me the conclusion right now is that based on Beishamai Shita, which is Yadarsh and Naksuva, because it's as if the woman gave the money to the Yavam, when she dies, the Yavam has to bury her. Here's the problem. When the Brisa says you have to bury her, it's when she's eligible to marry someone else. She was never eligible to marry someone else, right? Because her husband died. But then she instantly had to do Yibam, so she was never eligible to marry someone else. So just technicalities, if you're Darshan Naksuba, you only have to bury her when she was eligible to, to, to marry someone else. She was never eligible to marry someone else. So the Gemara says, so why do I have to, the Chiyuvik Suva only kick in when she's eligible to marry someone else. She was never eligible to marry someone else, so why do I have to bury her? So the Gemara says, the Yavim is treated as someone else. So because she was eligible to marry the Yavim, that's eligible to marry someone else. So the Chiyuvik Suva kick it.
Okay. I think the rest of it is easier. I'm not 100% sure. Okay, let's do this our best. Shalacha Rav Labaya, Biyad of Shemaya Barzera, Umidnik Aksuva Lagavis Michaim. Right, we had referenced in the previous discussion that. She, that, that one of the svaras was is leinitna ksuva legavis mechayim that she doesn't have she doesn't get the ksuva when the husband's alive right if the husband doesn't divorce her then she doesn't get the ksuva the gemara says is that true leinitna ksuva legavis mechayim that you can't get, collect the ksuva when it's when the person's alive is that true so let me just see the way they um, this is referenced earlier in the daf hold on. Uh, um, the ksuva was not intended to be collected during the husband's lifetime. As long as the husband was alive, the ksuva is certainly not collectible. And although the husband subsequently died, he stands in her place. So right now we're saying that when the husband's alive, as long as there's no divorce, she's not roy to collect the ksuva. The Gemara says, is that true? I would say yes. The Gemara says, is that true? You're telling me that the ksuva could be Sumchis says like this. Now, meaning the Gemara is asking, yeah. No, now again, I, I just want to make one point clear. When the husband's alive, obviously it's not Shaykh for there to be a ksuba. The question is, when the husband dies and she's waiting to do Yibam, is that is is she now eligible to collect the ksuba? Like, do we look at it as if her husband, she's eligible to collect the ksuba when her husband dies or divorces her? The question is, when she's waiting to do yibam, is she in that time period eligible conceptually to collect the ksuba? Meaning that the chiyuvik ksuba kick in like for burial purposes. So that was part of the discussion before. Is she eligible to collect the ksuba? Again, she may not practically be able to because of other the Yibum responsibilities, but conceptually, is the Ksuba eligible to be paid at that time period? What do you mean? Yeah, no, but the question is, when the Ksuba says that she's eligible to collect the Ksuba when she is eligible to marry someone else, the question is, do we look at the Yavim as someone else or is he mamish standing in place of the husband regarding, not again, not practically whether she collects the money, but whether the, it's conceptually possible to collect the money. So the Gemara says, I- I'll prove to you that it's not possible. Why? But Tanya, Rav Abba says, again, this is based on yesterday's daf that we said in yesterday's daf that when a woman is waiting to do Yibam, the brother's estate. When she does Yibam, right, the brother, the Yavam collects the brother's estate, but we said there's like a mega lien on the property that the Yavam cannot sell any of the property. Normally, when a woman is waiting to do Yibam, you could sell it, and when she's ready to collect, she'll have to undo the sales. Not when a woman waiting to do Yibam, when a woman who does Yibam, her, her her first husband's estate, full lien, like lien, he can't sell it. So the question is, what does he do if he wants to sell it? Right? What does he do? Right? He can't. Unless he gets, I guess, her consent. So what does he do? So the Gemara says, If the Yavim wants to sell some of the brother's estate, but there's a megalene on the property, so what does he do? You see, if he's a Kayan, he can't sell. A Kayan can't divorce her. Mm-hmm. So there's no option of threatening divorce. So what does he do? So Yasa Sudavifayas makes a meal, makes her happy, and tries to talk her out or tries to convince her that, that's, that it's a good idea. Now, if he's Yisrael, it's a much easier option. 
Megarish beget v'yaser. Divorce her, then remarry her. Because once you divorce her and remarry her, right, the second you divorce her, you give her the ksuba, the rest of the estate becomes his, then remarry her. Easy. Go to the next page. Now, if you say that she's eligible to collect the ksuba when, after her first husband passes away, when she's waiting to do yibam, then then why can't you just take the amount of the ksuba allocated for her and then sell the rest? Meaning, why is there this megalina? I don't understand. If you're telling me that she's eligible to collect the ksuba when her husband dies, so then she should be able to just give her the amount of the ksuba, put it aside, and the rest. You should be able to sell. So that's the kashan of Abba. So the Gemara says, I don't say, according to you, you're asking a kashan of Abba. Isn't that a kash on the Mishnah? The Mishnah said there's a megaline on the property. So why can't you ask the exact same thing? Right? The Mishnah says that you can't tell her to just lean to Munechas to... al-Shulchan. The Mishnah says that you can't tell the... After even you can't just tell the wife, listen, here's what I want to allocate for you for the ksuba. The rest I'm selling. You can't do that. There's a megaline on the property. So why don't you ask the same thing? Why? Can't, why? So the answer is, the Gemara is saying, no, because it could be It could be that when the Mishnah says you can't sell the stuff, it doesn't actually mean you're not halakhically allowed to. It just means it's not a good idea. Because think about it. You set aside a plot of land or, or anything. You set aside a bank account for her. The Mishnah says you can't just set aside the bank account and sell the rest. So we thought, based on yesterday's stuff, you're not allowed to. Like halakhically, it's usher. The Gemara said maybe not. Maybe it's just an etzatova. It's not a good idea because if you end up, you allocate just the amount for her, and then what happens? There's a tank in the stock market, and the value of a dollar is less, and all of a sudden, no money left, and now you're really stuck. So maybe the Mishnah does is not prohibiting it; it's just giving an eitzatayva. But when Rav Abba said you're not allowed to, he's not telling you an eitzatayva; he's telling you you're not allowed to. So the Gemara says that's why we didn't ask a kash on the Mishnah. And I'll prove it to you that the Mishnah could just be talking about Eitz Atoiva because I'll prove it to you. The end of the Mishnah said, A man can't tell his wife, a regular wife, forget about a yob. A man can't just tell his wife, hey, listen, here's the money for your ksuba. Uh, no lien on the property. You can't do that. So we thought it's halachically not possible. The Gemara says that's definitely talking about Eitz Atoiva. Why? Wait a minute. A woman, a regular wife, you definitely can sell it. She maybe will undo the sale. The Mishnah says you can't even you can't even sell it. Now that, that's not halachiku. That's eitzatayva. So our Mishnah is not a good proof because when our Mishnah says you can't sell it, it could be that it's not talking about a megaline. It's just telling you it's a bad idea. Kasha, the kasha is revabo, meaning if you assume that a woman waiting to do yibum is eligible to collect her ksuba, then why is there a megaline, according to revabo, why is there a megaline in the property? Just allocate one amount, the rest you could sell. So the answer is, mishum eva. It could be you're not allowed to, it's because of eva. If you start your marriage before you do yibum by allocating the amount for her divorce, it's not a good thing. It's, it's, it, it sounds like you're already planning. You see, like, I guess it's even worse than the average marriage because the average marriage, you at least dated, you met each other. This is like, you're starting this yibum and you're saying to her, listen, 
I, I'm just here's your money for when this ends. I'm I'm selling the rest. Yeah, I guess for the death, but I, I guess the Gemara is saying that it's not you want the Yibam itself is so is so tricky emotionally that we don't want to start it off. Like the way Rashi described Misham Eva, she thinks to herself, He's already trying to divorce me. And again, and he can, so I mean, meaning it's like Yibam, so he's like forced into this, so it's like he's already allocating funds. So it could be the reason why you can't do it is not because of a megaline, it's just it's a, it's a really, really bad idea. Okay. The Gemara says the following story, and I think that we could end with this. The Gemara says, There was a, um, a, a person who, who passed away, and he was waiting to do Yibam in Pumpadisa. Now, you do Yibam to the oldest brother. Now, the oldest brother by him doing Yibam, he gets the brother's estate, right? Which means if the brother was wealthy, the older brother might be very happy to do Yibam, right? Because mm-hmm. if there is no Yibam, then it's split amongst the brothers, but now he gets all of it. So, boy, uh, the younger brother wants to give her a get. And if you remember, if one of the brothers gives her a get, there's no Yibam by anybody. So the older brother hears that the younger brother is trying to give her a get. Obviously, he figures out why. She, he's trying to cancel it because he wants to get some of the estate. So the older brother calls up the younger brother and says, I guess the older brother wants to do the mitzvah of Yibam. And he says, why are you doing this? Because you want money? I'll split it with you. I'll split it with you. I'll take the estate. I'll give you half. Let me do Yibam. Maybe he was interested in marrying her. Maybe he wanted to do the mitzvah. Or maybe also there were other brothers and he didn't want to split it even. Whatever it is. But he says to the younger brother, I'll split it with you 50-50. Don't give her a get. The question is, is that effective? Now that we're saying that there's a megaline on the property, the same way he can't sell it, shouldn't he not be able to give half of it to the brother? Makes sense. So the Gemara says, Amr of Yosef, Kim Adam Rabban Lisbon, Afagav Dezavin, Lehav Rav Yosef said, because Chazal say you can't sell it, the same way you can't sell it, if you tried to sell it, it's not effective. Meaning, when the Mishnah says you can't sell it, Rav Yosef is saying it's the evidence doesn't work. So this brother who tried to sell it to the younger brother, not effective. That's what Rav Yosef said. Detanya, how do I know that you can't sell it? If one brother dies and he leaves an estate of 100 mana to do yibam, even if the ksuva is just one mana, he can't sell it. He can't sell it because there's a megaline on the property. So once there's a megaline on the property and he can't sell it, if he tries to sell it, it's not effective. So if the older brother tries to sell it to the younger brother, it's not effective. Abayah says, wait a minute. Just because the Misha says you can't sell it doesn't mean it's not effective. There's a thing called Bidi Evid. Right? The Misha just says you can't sell it. We're assuming that if you tried to sell it, it's not effective. Abayah says, where'd you get that from? The mission just says, don't sell it. You're telling me that there's such a lien on the property that even if you tried to sell it, it's not effective? Where, where do you get that from? The mission just said, don't sell it. Who said that if you tried to sell it, it's not effective? The I'll prove it to you. Right? We had this a uh, couple of days ago that if a woman sells her nichse melug after Kedushin, before she gets married, Beishame says you shouldn't sell it. Basil says you shouldn't sell it, but if you sold it, it's effective. Meaning, it's a valid sale. So why can't you say the same thing over here? If a Yavam tries to sell some of the estate of the brother after allocating funds for her ksuba, don't sell it. But if you did, it's effective. So why, why? So, Eva Machlegas, Abayin Rav Yosef. 
Okay, so the Gemara says, Shalchu lakamid Rabchanina bar Papi. So they asked the same Shail Rabchanina bar Papi, Shalchu kader Yosef. So he passed like Rav Yosef that it's not a valid sale. So the older brother can't split the estate with the younger brother. Amr Abayas, Abayas was also bought again. Abayas is not happy with Rav Yosef, and now he's not happy with Rabchanina bar Papi. So he says, Odur Rabchanina bar Papi, keep it Did Rabchanina bar Papi put put rings on his teaching? Meaning, did he give you a svara? Did he give you a source? <laughs> Meaning, he didn't give you a source either. He just said the mission said don't sell it, but the mission never said that it's not a valid sale with the Evan. So Shalhul Kamid Rav Minyumi Berid Rav Nechumi. They asked the same shelter of Minyumi Bishmeid Rav Nechumi. Shalhul Kedabaya. He said like Abaya, and the Gemara says the Amr Bar of Yosef. Meaning, he said like Abaya that it's a valid sale, not like Rav Yosef. And he said the Amr Bar of Yosef. Time Achrin Shalhul. He says tell Rav Yosef that he finds a svara, send it to me. Meaning, I disagree with Rav Yosef. Because Rav Yosef doesn't have a makar. If Rav Yosef finds a makar, let me know. I'll, I'm happy to reanalyze the shayla. So, nafik dok ve'eshkach. So Rav Yosef went and looked into it, and this is what he found. It's very interesting. It's interesting. I would have thought this. Let's say you have two brothers, Reuben and Shimon. Reuben owes Shimon money. Shimon dies. Reuven does Yivam. Does Reuven have to pay? Or does she have to pay? I mean, he took, <laughs> he took over the brother's estate. So the Gemara says, you might think that he doesn't have to pay the debt because, pay the debt to who? Says the Mishnah, no. Elamite see in Yavam, he has to pay. He has to pay to the estate of the brother, even though he's in control of the estate. He has to buy land with that, and then he could eat fruit, but he has to pay. What do you see? You see that the, the lien on the property, meaning, the Gemara's assumption, why does he have to pay? I don't understand. He, he, pay, pay to who? The answer is, when the brother died, that estate has a mega lien on the property for the wife. So he can't just absolve himself of the debt because the lien makes it that he has to pay. So you see from here, there's a mega lien on the property, that he has to pay the debts. If there's such a, a, a lien on the property, he has to pay the debts. And it stands to reason that he can't sell it also. So the Gemara says... The Gemara says, maybe they're just giving him a good Eitzah. Rashi says, The Gemara says, maybe, maybe it's not saying that he, that he has to do this. Maybe it's just telling you good advice. You got money you owe him. You're going to pay eventually anyway. Might as well buy land with it. But who says there's a lien on the property? And then the Gemara actually says, you know what the truth is? That Brysa that says that if you owe the brother money, you have to spend because the lien, it's actually not true. The entire Brysa, there's a flaw in the Brysa and we'll reject the Brysa. So it's not something you have to worry about. So we'll stop here. Tomorrow, I will try to explain everything I said today in a more clear way, but we'll pick it up uh, tomorrow.